Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Welcome to Eloquentia perfecta ex machina, a podcast series devoted to the teaching of rhetoric and composition with and through a range of media, and focusing on the writing program at St. Louis University. On this podcast, we interview instructors about how and why they use multimodal approaches, and we have instructors interview other instructors about the nuts and bolts of particular tools and assignments. On today's episode, episode 11, Byron Gilman Hernandez is back with an exploration of language communities. Byron's short audio essay describes and reflects upon his use of language communities in the first year writing classroom. Well, hello. This is Byron, going solo on this episode of Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina. And this week's topic is an assignment I use in my 1900 rhetoric class to bring together technology, orality, and communities. I call it the language communities assignment, building off the term speech communities from Noam Chomsky and Paul Roberts, but expanded to non-speech language, hence the title change. I assign it as such from my assignment sheet. I want you to focus on a single audience you know exceptionally well. Consider the many communities you belong to, your family, your school, regional dialects, and digital networks. Your task is simple. Select a word, symbol, or image of this community and write about its use and function within the community. There's always some anxieties at first, having to write a whole paper about just one word, or students who don't think they belong to any special communities and just can't think of any words that might fit the assignment. But it doesn't take much for students to start taking a closer look at their lives and to start expressing quite a bit about just one word. Building off my last appearance on Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina, this is an assignment I almost entirely stole from Dr. Faith Kurtaika at Creighton University. I was a TA for her class and was assigned to take a look at student drafts and give some helpful feedback and advice, more like a writing consultant than, say, a grader. And I really liked what I was able to see with the assignments. It was an interesting mix of students, and I still remember quite a few of those papers. What I really liked about the assignment was that, as a graduate student, I was barely connected to Creighton. Unlike an undergrad, I came for classes, then went home. And this assignment showed me a lot of what was going on with the student body that I was completely disconnected from. For instance, I didn't know that Creighton had a very large number of Hawaiian students, uh, thanks to their openness in accepting Japanese students in the earliest 20th century. And also, I suppose, if you live on an archipelago but are completely sick of the ocean, Omaha, Nebraska is about as far as you can get from one. But that brought a lot of interesting words, like dakin, a word for nothing in particular, to be used when you've got a word on the tip of your tongue. The student wrote about Hawaii's complex colonial background as a mix of so many different nationalities and languages that it was necessary to have a dedicated word for when you can't remember the exact word in which language. Or an evangelical student who wrote about going to a Catholic school where there were a lot of similar theological words, but for her had a dramatically more significant meaning. So I knew when I would be teaching at SLU, before I set my students to working on their Disoy Logois and rhetoric projects, I wanted to bring this with me as a sort of introductory assignment. Much like how Dr. Kritaika approached it, I made the essay in two parts, starting with a first draft that we discussed in a conference. It's my first assignment for the semester, so it has the benefit of making absolutely sure students know how to get to my office and where Adorjan is located but it's also a good way to really have an individual dialogue with my students. Whatever they feel about whether they are or aren't a writer, they care about their communities, and it doesn't take much prompting for them to elaborate on them when I ask a question. With a term like gigam, 
a student usually starts by formally explaining the history of Texas A&M and their life in College Station. But with a little prompting, they're talking about what it's like having just left Texas behind and living in St. Louis. These meetings often start with the student on the defensive, doubting themselves as writers or embarrassed to have to write about something personal. But I've found that students like talking about themselves, not just in an egotistic sense, but in the way we want to be heard and understood when we're experts about something. I've had students write about their personal hobbies, about what it means to bite in breakdancing or walling as a strategy in competitive Pokemon. And in my office, it doesn't take long for them to flip the power dynamic and start lecturing me. And of course, I always get a wave of St. Louis terms. Provel, a mix of cheese I don't understand. Bico, short for St. Louis Bread Company, the local name for Panera, which I don't understand. And one very interesting paper about the inevitable, what high school did you go to? Which I still only vaguely understand. Plus some terminology specific to slew communities that Fred Pistello doesn't necessarily need to know about. As an outsider to St. Louis, trying to make sense of what this town's whole deal is, I really do appreciate these windows into how my students understand themselves in the city and the university. From that experience of watching students come alive and open up in the spoken word, I got the idea to require the students to also record their essay and submit an MP3 along with the final paper. It shows them that making an audio recording isn't as hard as they might think, and, I hope, shows them the benefit of reading a paper out loud for the sake of clarity and grammar. I like it, not only as an assignment, but also, as I said, an introduction. It's a way for students to get to meet me in a way that makes them the expert, and hopefully makes me come off as a more reasonable, approachable person than a menacing specter of judgment and bad grades. It also lets me see my students in a new light, to see more of how they understand themselves and what they're passionate about. Moving into more formal rhetoric assignments, having them research and argue topics, I think that passion is important, especially for students when they go into the longer projects. I want them to pick up something they still care about after tracking down a dozen sources and grinding out the arguments and counter-arguments. And it's good to start by having the students look into and experience that sort of passion in an assignment. Well, that's about all the time I have to record today. Thank you for joining me, and once again, I'm Byron, recording for Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get involved in this podcast series, to share an assignment or tool, or even to pitch an interview, please contact me, Nathaniel Rivers, at nathaniel.rivers at slu.edu. Perfected ex machina.